Psalm 101, these are God's words. The Psalm of David. I will sing of mercy and justice. To you, O Yahweh, I will sing praises. I will behave wisely in a perfect way. O when will you come to me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not know wickedness. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. The one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. My eyes shall be on the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He who works deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. Early I will destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all the evildoers from the city of Yahweh. Men, so far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. We know we were created for worship, uh, and we should always have a view uh, unto worship. Uh, but we wait upon the Lord uh, in that worship. Sometimes we uh, wait upon the Lord simply because we exist in time. You can't have the Lord's Day every day of the week. You can't have the Lord's Day assembly uh, every day uh, of the week. Uh, and then there are the restrictions of time in our life as well. We have other things that we have to do. We have other responsibilities. Uh, and so uh, we can't always, can't just have a stated time of worship uh, from when we wake up until we, until we go to bed. Uh, and so David's focus here is on the worship of God. I will sing of mercy and of justice. Or the word translated mercy is that steadfast love word, the chesed. To you, Yahweh, I will sing praises. I will... And uh, the behaving wisely is uh, just one verb. Uh, act in wisdom. Uh, act in a, a prudent way. Uh, in a perfect way as well. Uh, verse 2. Uh, he looks forward to uh, acting rightly, wisely, blamelessly uh, unto God in the worship. Uh, and so he's uh, looking forward to that and he asks a question, and it's a longing question, a desiring question. Oh, when will you come to me? And so the psalm as a whole is really a psalm on how to conduct ourselves in our ordinary life uh, with a view to uh, getting to worship God. And since he wants to conduct himself wisely and blamelessly towards God in the worship, uh, then in the meantime, when he is acting upon the world, Instead of acting upon the Lord, uh, he wants to act wisely and blamelessly in his ordinary in his ordinary life as well. Uh, the way we act with each other, the way we act in our work, the way we act in our responsibilities should be consistent uh, with how we hope to act towards the Lord when we gather to Him uh, for His worship. And so you have this desire to worship blamelessly, beginning of verse two, and then you have. Uh, I will walk within my house, among my household or my family. He's not just talking about a structure. He's talking about uh, his household or uh, the primary place of his responsibility uh, and the people, the primary people to whom he is responsible with a blameless heart, with a perfect heart. This 
idea of blamelessness in his conduct is also reflected not only in the worship, not only in the way he conducts himself in the house, uh, but even in the sorts of people uh, that he that he is willing to uh, have serve him, as you see down in verse 6 as well. He who walks in a perfect and a blameless way, he shall serve me. So the first thing to take care of then uh, is his own heart, his uh, inner life. He knows that what he allows himself to observe and consider and dwell upon, that those things are going to affect the heart with which he acts in his everyday duties and the heart with which he acts towards the Lord. And so he says, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. And this is not just uh, visually, although that certainly is true, uh, but this is talking about what he will allow his uh, thoughts to rest upon uh, and consider. Uh, and so uh, he refuses to uh, to give his thoughts uh, to those things that are wicked. He refuses to consider those things. And then for us, in a very visual society, this does have a very specific application to what we are willing uh, to see, watch, the sort of entertainment or recreation uh, that we are willing uh, to enjoy. Uh, we need to dispose and incline our hearts towards righteousness and against evil. He says, I hate the work of those who fall away. Uh, and so uh, he's not going to admire someone who's sinful uh, just because uh, they seem to be successful at some point. The morality, the spirituality, the clinging to the Lord uh, and refusing to worship other gods, the clinging to the truth of, of the Lord and of his word, that is the determining factor in whether or not he's going to admire the way someone goes about things. And so uh, there's this uh, intentional conditioning of his heart, care uh, of his heart that verse 3 is describing. Uh, and in this way, he hopes by God's grace that a perverse heart will depart from him and that he won't know wickedness. So he refuses to consider it. He refuses to consider wickedness. Uh, he refuses to enjoy the thought or the sight of it. He refuses even to admire the labors, the successes, etc., of those uh, who are wicked or who are unbelieving. And, uh, and, and these are some of the ways by which he's guarding his heart, hoping that by God's grace, a perverse heart will depart from him and he will not become someone who knows, who's an experiential knower of, friend to uh, wickedness. If we are not actively engaged uh, in weakening the power of sin every way that we can in our lives, then we should not expect that God, who has appointed such mortification, such attack and killing of, of our own sinfulness, uh, he has appointed that to be used by him. Uh, and if we are not engaged in it, we should not expect uh, that a perverse heart will depart from us. Well, one of the things then is not only what we're doing in our own thought life, uh, but what we do about our companions. Uh, and we see that 
uh, especially in verse 5. Uh, whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. Uh, now it's the same word here in verse 5 as it is in verse 8, although the, the word is often used in the, in the sense of silence. Uh, I think probably uh, it's used for the, in the sense of destroy in verse 8, but it might well be used in the other sense in verse 5. Uh, that whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will silence uh, and uh, maybe destroy, since it's used two times in, in the same psalm. But it's one of the features of poetry that sometimes you use the same word that has multiple senses, and uh, you use it in multiple different ways uh, in, the, in the course of the poem. Uh, but for us, the application is pretty simple. If someone turns out to be the kind of person who slanders others, you just stop having conversations with that person. And if you are in a conversation with someone and they do slander or gossip, you just tell them. Uh, I don't think the Lord wants me to listen to you talk like that about somebody else. And similar, not just then with the slanderer, but the one who has a haughty look and a proud heart. Uh, verse 5, the one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. Uh, now, it's true that people who are proud and arrogant are unendurable. But that's not what it's saying here. Uh, what, is, what this is describing is the danger of keeping the company now, not just of someone who slanders others, but who puts on airs about themselves and is proud about themselves. Uh, because that sort of person, uh, when you uh, have that sort of person as your companion, it starts to rub off on you. And you too become proud and arrogant and haughty and looking down upon others. Uh, our flesh is prone to this all by itself. It does not need the help of being reinforced by somebody else who is unrestrained in their pride and in their looking down upon others, their censoriousness and contemptuousness, disdain for others. Uh, and so uh, as we look to the Lord to give us and help us with humility, uh, we want to choose our companions well. We want to choose as companions those also who are humble uh, and who are not speaking uh, speaking that way about others or thinking and acting and putting on ears uh, and so forth. So he's taking care of his inner thought life in verses 3 and 4. He is being careful about whom he will have as a companion uh, in verse 5. And then in his sphere of responsibility, uh, so far as he is responsible for uh, and able to influence others, he wants to reinforce uh, what is good and righteous there. Now, in his case, he's a king, so he's not just head of a household. There's, uh, of course, implications for uh, whom he will uh, enlist and employ in his household, uh, but he's king over a kingdom, and he's supposed to uh, punish the wicked and reward the good, uh, and so he, uh, he does that. But each of us uh, in our ordinary sphere uh, uh, of duty, we have opportunity to affect others. Maybe we don't have authority over others necessarily, uh, but we do have our daily duties and we want to uh, do those as righteously as possible, fulfilling the role that has been assigned to us uh, as well as possible. So there's not just inner thought life and uh, thinking about our companions, but then our uh, regular duties. For him, he says, My eyes shall be on the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a blameless way, there's that word again, perfect way, blameless way, 
he shall serve me. He who works deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. And so uh, he is both thinking of a household just in an ordinary sense, but then for him, a royal court uh, and a kingly house, uh, he wants to enlist, employ, have in his service uh, only those who are godly in speech and conduct. And then in his um, in his role as a civil magistrate in verse 8, Early I will destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all the evildoers from the city of Yahweh. Uh, he is the anointed king in the city where the Lord has made his name to dwell, and that's uh, specific uh, to David. Of course, David was not uh, perfectly successful in this, um, but we rejoice to know that our Lord Jesus has right desires and uh, righteous follow-through. We trust in him to be our righteousness and his sacrifice to atone for our sin. Uh, But if we are living our lives as those who are eager to worship God and we want to come not in a way that uh, is disingenuous or offensive to God, then we need to conduct ourselves in the rest of life as those who are uh, keeping clean, as it were, in a spiritual sense for the worship of God, guarding our inner thought life, guarding the type of companion uh, that we are willing to have and the company we are willing to keep, and then desiring to conduct ourselves righteously uh, in all of our spheres of duty and especially our spheres of authority. The Lord help you remember uh, whatever it is you're doing, school, chores, play, whatever it is, uh, that you are a worshiper. Uh, and you want uh, to conduct yourself in the moments of ordinary life as you will wish you had when next you come together unto the Lord in his worship. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we pray that you would help us to follow your instruction in this passage and that indeed we would conduct ourselves in ordinary life in the way that we will wish we had when we gather to you in worship. Uh, And we pray, O Lord, that you would grant unto us to follow this principle, especially in thinking about uh, entering eternity and the worship that we will enter enter upon at that time. Uh, Grant unto us to act in our days in this world as we will wish that we had when that day comes. Help us by your Spirit, we ask by faith in your Son, in whose name we ask it. Amen.